Hello, Blockchain people. Big Rant, welcome to the Blockchain People podcast, powered by Decor, the decentralized objective research engine. At Decor, we are a distributed team of researchers creating institutional-grade research for capital institutions to understand and fund the true innovators and disruptors in decentralized ledger technologies. As you can see, we are doing this podcast to help educate the public and create an audience for the decision makers in the blockchain space. If you'd like to support this mission, all we will ever ask you to do is to hit the subscribe, follow, like, or whatever button you currently have in front of you. And of course, you can do this either on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, or whatever it is you listen to podcasts. Just search for either Decor or the Blockchain People podcast. Today, we have Bikrant Sharma here. Bikrant is the mind behind Cake Wallet, the first iOS-friendly Monero wallet ever, also available for Android, and a corner piece of the current Monero ecosystem. So, Bik, how are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. We have so, fun. Uh, I, know have... Yeah. I know I'm here to talk about Monero, but just let me just plug something. We launched our Bitcoin wallet yesterday on iOS and Android. So, but anyway, let's talk about Monero. Congrats. I did see that. Uh, later, I'm going to ask you to, to tell me how does that work uh, to plug in Bitcoin as well into that. But first sure. of all, I just wanted to do a couple of shout outs and just mention a quickly why are we doing two episodes on a row on privacy coins um and i'm gonna thank first of all reddit users megatriopolis true decent knife of pi 2 samsung galaxy player golden sparrow and monero wtf for telling me that i should have you on the podcast and tagging you and pretty much organizing the whole thing that's an honor yeah um it's very obvious that these guys love you and they would like to hear this conversation with you and yeah, the story with this is that I started, um, we just recently did a podcast with the co-founder of Firo, uh, Ruben Jab, mm -hmm. and posted the conversation on the Monero subreddit, which made a couple of yeah. people angry. Uh, they, they didn't like it that much. And after hearing them out and everything, I understood that it would be great to have someone to talk Monero on the podcast. So the listeners could have like both the more centralized perspective and the decentralized open source perspective on privacy coins so if you like let's start on that if you had to explain monero in a couple of sentences how would you go about it yeah i mean before we talk about monero i think maybe we should talk of privacy and fungibility um and this is something i've been thinking about actually i'm glad you had me on because it gives me a platform to talk about this idea maybe we need to stop using the word privacy because as we've seen with facebook and whatsapp and instagram people aren't really that concerned about about privacy right even google and gmail and google maps you know all that data is being shared your ip address is being shared maybe people are not that concerned about privacy as they act like it yeah i mean how many people have actually gone ahead and deleted their Facebook account. You know, maybe some few hardcore people have, but not many. So maybe we should focus more on fungibility, right? I'm sure Whether you also saw a lot going... of people installing Telegram like a couple of weeks ago, and I'm sure none of them is using yeah. it currently. Telegram and Signal. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, I mean, like everyone's jumping on the bandwagon now and going on Signal, but Signal wants your phone number. So I mean, what 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 privacy is that, right? So maybe we should maybe we should focus on fungibility. Yeah. Um, 
maybe that should be the selling point of privacy coins, not just Monero, but other coins as well. Um, I mean, just for reviewers, uh, fungible, what does it mean? So what fungible means is when you have a set of, uh, of items, whatever items they may be, bolts or dollars or coins or what have you, sheep even, you can replace any of those pieces with another piece in that same set, right? So for example, like Ikea, when, you, when you're building an Ikea desk and you get those five, it says you have five of these washers. All those five washers are interchangeable. They're fungible with each other. You don't have to pick that exact one. You can pick any of those five. And, and the same with the dollars. You go into a store and something costs $1 and in your wallet, you open up your wallet and you have five $1 bills. It doesn't matter which one you pull out. It's they're equal in value, they're fungible. So I think maybe the concern of privacy coins or the concern of the public should be maybe more fungibility if they don't care about privacy. Um, even, even Bitcoin maximalists have tweeted, I've seen, hey, don't send me Bitcoin unless you put it through a mixer. Okay. <laughs> so, right. So, so the problem, and, and, and I'm not here to bash Bitcoin. I mean, we just added Bitcoin to Cake Wallet. It's done tremendous thing. It's the face of cryptocurrency. Nobody wants to see that fail. If Bitcoin fails, cryptocurrency in general, I think is going to take a everything. A everything goes down with it. Yeah. Yeah. So fortunately, unfortunately, Bitcoin's become the face of cryptocurrency, and, and it, it's great. I mean, it, it's done amazing things. It's widely accepted. Now you're seeing Wall Street get into it and all of that. But one of the problems with Bitcoin, it being an open ledger. The question always arises, is Bitcoin fungible? Does one Bitcoin equal one Bitcoin? And that's a question everybody is struggling with. You have chain analysis companies who are tracking each Bitcoin transaction. So let's say there's a huge, a huge transaction done on the dark net market for some illicit activity, whether it's drugs or guns or what a contraband or what, what have you. Okay. Now that Bitcoin is being tracked, and you end up receiving that Bitcoin through maybe one hop or two hops. Do you want that Bitcoin? Or are the authorities gonna relate that to you that, hey, you were the guy eventually gonna get that Bitcoin so you're behind these dealings? Right, or you're in the wrong place at the wrong time and things exactly. get mixed up and your name is on a list all of a sudden. Exactly. So, and then the, there's a the flip side to that. People are willing to pay extra for clean Bitcoin, a brand new, clean, just mined, never used any transaction. Some people are willing to pay more for that Bitcoin. So then the question is, does one Bitcoin equal one Bitcoin? So maybe fungibility should be a bigger question for users of cryptocurrency rather than privacy. Okay, and let me- Nobody cares. It's <laughs> well, uh, pr privacy is because becomes something of a bad word, right? Yeah. You're either uh, what are you conspiracy hiding? theory is, uh, yeah. or hiding something, or you are uh, a clean, honest, transparent citizen, right? People somehow exactly. tend to lose the middle ground. And I'm curious, um, when it comes to privacy coins, and of course, we're going to elaborate more on privacy coins and yeah. what Monero is and all these but when it comes to privacy coins, maybe this is a good plug to start explaining what Monero is. What yeah. makes a privacy coin 
better than a Bitcoin passed through a mixer. Yeah, I mean, if you pass Bitcoin through a mixer, the like big exchanges like Gemini or Kraken, they're well aware of that. They can see, okay, this is coming from some mixer. Um, and, and you will get kicked off the exchange. So you end up playing a game, right? You end up playing a game that, you know, trying to hide it, trying to spin it. Um, why do that when you have Monero? Right? <laughs> yeah. Just use Monero as we like to say. Um, or, or, let me take that back. Use a privacy coin, right? Or as Michael Saylor says, maybe you need a Monero if you, <laughs> if you want privacy and fungibility. So, so I think that's the difference. I mean, the, 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 the mixer will be found out. It, you can trace it back to a mixer because it is a open ledger and you can see all the transactions and all the balances. So, so although, although fungibility and privacy may be two different goals for different users, but the blueprint to get there is exactly the same. So, you know, there, there is, I guess, a certain part of the public or cryptocurrency users that believe if you have privacy coins, you're doing something crazy or, or something illegal, where in fact, you just want to remain private and uh, make sure your currency is fungible and that you'll always get one Monero for one Monero. I guess that the also the Monero community is a bit uh, intimidating when you first stumble at it because it's a very passionate community. It's uh, it's obviously comprised of some very smart people, some people that are very technical, and people yeah. in there in there they like to talk seriously. They like to um, in those communities. You know, there's always a tendency to push away the newcomers or the beginners as to say, which is good that we right. have this kind of conversations with people that can explain things on a very non-technical level. Yeah. The Monero community, I mean, it's definitely filled with geniuses. I, I think these people, and I've said it before, maybe a few years down the road, 10, 15 down, they'll be praised for their, um, just the ingenuity, um, and win Nobel Prize in mathematics or, 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 or encryption or something. Uh, these guys are just amazing. Last year, I think it was last year, the MoneroCon conference in Denver, where it was a three-day event, wonderfully done. Um, I probably understood 1% of what's going on. And that I'm probably giving myself too much credit. I mean, the presentations done by the, these PhDs or even non-PhDs is doing brilliant work. I, I was lost. <laughs> so that, I agree with you, that can be intimidating for sure. And there are some people in the Monero community which kind of bash Bitcoin too harshly. Um, and that turns some people off for sure, that happens. Um, but overall, it's a good community. I mean, if, if you come there, they're 100% um, willing to teach you about Monero and, and privacy. Um, and there's no talk of money in the Monero community, which I really like. There's no talk of Lambos. Moon. <laughs> moon. <laughs> yeah. Which is something so, that you cannot say about the Dogecoin community. Dogecoin <laughs> <laughs> community is fun, right? It's purely fun, I think. Yeah. Um, even Elon likes that, right? But uh, the Monero community, it's, 
they're they're there to help for sure. And and I and I say that from a personal experience. When we launched Cake Wallet in 2017, we we built it purely in a vacuum. We didn't go to the community. But once we uh, revealed the product to the community, they were um, very much supportive. Um, you know, helped us along uh, both on a technical front as well as um, understanding front. And as for, I said, for Cake people... is for noobs by noobs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so sorry to everyone listening and <laughs> to listening to podcasts in general in 2020, 2021. It's extremely easy to interrupt each other when you're on Zoom. Uh, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. No, no, no. That's, yeah. that's on me. That's on me. Uh, what I wanted to say to interject a bit here is that some people might be wondering why is it that this community is so full of smart people and PhDs and this kind of uh, academics even. And the reason for that is that privacy turns out it's incredibly hard to achieve or at least treat true privacy. So it takes a lot of effort to hide things and to do them properly. And I for what I was listening, I was, I was listening to a couple of videos from that event that you were mentioning, just to yeah. be more updated on the on what's going on right now in the Monero community. One gets lost, and so some of the things that most people talk about is that they are always on the fence on whether Monero is enough to do what it's supposed to do, or if there are more things to be built upon it. Yeah, so I mean, Monero is always improving. Um, I mean, every year, every six months, you could see some massive leap forward in in uh, in Monero. Um, the biggest leap over the last few years was was bulletproofs. Well, let's just talk Monero first. Yeah, I mean, how do, how does Monero work? How does it achieve privacy? Can you can so, you start uh, with not only what Monero is, how does it achieve? Uh, fungibility and privacy but also a little bit whatever you can you feel like it's important to add in there about the story of Monero the history of Monero yeah I don't know much detail about the history of Monero I know it spun off from uh, another crypto note uh, based coin um, it was called bit Monero um, then a group of people including fluffy pony and some people they forked the code not the blockchain they forked the code and came up with Monero. And I'm probably missing a couple episodes in there in the history, but that's the quick quick story of it. Yeah. So Monero itself has been around since 2014. I mean, it's been around for a long time. Sorry, my dog is growling. <laughs> Let me just get him. We always have dog noises in the program. No problem. In here, right. I'm, I'm just gonna add a quick, uh, a bit more context into into what Vic was saying. Uh, here we have with Monero a project that's completely open sourced, and that means someone posted it posted it up on the internet as an idea, as a white paper, and then the community had to get together and people had to essentially work for free to build this new cryptocurrency from scratch that could be used for uh, as digital cash, as actual digital cash that respected the same principles of, um, of cash, which starts with fungibility itself, as Vic was saying, one dollar, a one dollar bill, <laughs> and here is the dog. That's a, that's a great dog. <laughs> yeah, you know, with Bitcoin, there, there was no uh, pre-mine. 
there's no dev tax that miners are forced to pay, uh, unlike some other coins. Uh, it's fully open source. Um, and there's no company behind it, com community driven. So all those things attracted me as well to, to Monero. Um, and there's ongoing development all the time, new things. I mean, if we can get into some of those, if you like, but um, go ahead. It's really, it's really impressive to see how the community self organizes. And with these open source projects that people you can see are purely in for the tech, right? Um, mm -hmm. It's a huge community and a huge effort and it's done completely, almost voluntarily. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah we're good. continuing on with the yeah, and I, I and I think we're the cake wallet is the is the best example of that, because we didn't go seeking permission from anybody. We didn't go seeking collaboration with anybody. We all the code is out there, and and you can do whatever you want. Um, I know some other privacy coins approached us about being in cake wallet, and I didn't like what they were doing. And I said, look, I just don't believe in it. And they got pissed off. And they said, well, we'll never be in Cake Wallet. Well, then are you truly an open source community-driven project if you can stop people from, from working with, with, with that product? So Monero, you can't. I mean, nobody can stop you from doing what you want. I mean, still today, we get, we get calls and emails. Can you hook me up with the marketing department? Can you hook me up with the, you know, the head guy of Monero? it's 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 nobody it's the community so it, it's and like bitcoin was you know uh, and that's a perfect another perfect example and we see uh, yeah we see that this project was built to as we were saying to build on a digital version of cash perfectly fungible mm -hmm. perfectly private perfectly untraceable um yep. so how does it achieve it monero so Monero, Monero has privacy on three fronts. Yeah, it hides the sender's information through something called ring signature. I think right now it's eleven ring signatures. So the ring is comprised of not the actual actual sender's addresses. It's comprised of old outputs which function as decoys in the ring. So it's basically, basically saying one of those outputs is the real output. We don't know which one it is, yeah? The, the other way it hides uh, information, they hide the amount that's being transmitted with something called bulletproofs. Bulletproofs are a type of range proofs. And again, you can have a PhD on to uh, talk about that. So basically the, the amount that transmitted is also hidden. And then finally the receiver uh, receiving addresses hidden through something called stealth addresses. So for each transaction, there's a one-time transaction that uh, address that's created and that's somehow linked um, to the actual address, but that address disappears after uh, after the transaction. So so everything is hidden: the, the sender, the receiver, and the amount transacted. Um, that's not the only thing. One other thing that I very much like about Monero is that you get all this privacy of the sender receiver, the transacted amount on all platforms. 
and 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 you'll actually see me tweet that many times, and and I've said that in other presentations. Um, kind of an informal tagline for Monero for me is all the privacy all the time. So whether you're using a mobile wallet like Cake Wallet, or whether you're using a desktop wallet or a web wallet, or even an exchange, you'll get that privacy. You can go to the blockchain with the transaction ID. You can see that a transaction happened, but you can't get the info on it. Yeah. Um, just comparatively, and, and again, I'm not here to bash other privacy coins, but I, I know for a while, a lot of coins were, okay, you can only get that privacy if you use the desktop wallet, or you can only get that privacy if you use a web wallet. Um, but Monero, from the ground up, from the base layer, the privacy is there. So no matter where you implement that code, you're going to get that privacy. Okay, and here's a fun example just for more non-technical people or and to plug back in our previous guest. He was describing Monero and well privacy coins in general as CV and pardon my French during this example. But Sorry. Like, uh, yeah, uh, he, he was describing privacy coins and of course excuse the wording this is not these are not my words but I, I thought it was pretty nice no that it was privacy coins were like if you were going in to fart in an elevator so of course if you're yeah. in that situation you want to go in with 12 other people you don't want to go in by yourself yeah. or you don't want to go in with exactly. another person somebody did it you don't know yeah right. somebody did it and no one's going to talk about who you're right exactly Exactly. But just, just to clarify, it's not even somebody. It's the hash of the transaction that happened before. So going to your example, it would be if, again, I mean, this, is gonna, this is getting dirtier and dirtier. <laughs> if somebody, if everyone took off their pants and threw them in, the, threw them in a pile, and you smell each pant to see which which one had the fart come off, but you don't know which pant which pant belonged to which person in the elevator. So it's just not the person who did it, but it's another step in between. Right. And you know I mean. ideally, Monero keeps building steps in between. Right. This is what the community is trying to do to make it harder and harder and more and more private every time. Exactly. And, 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 the, and the Monero Research Lab is always uh, investigating and, and experimenting and uh, stress testing all these different various technologies and see, number one, if it's good, and number two, how it can be implemented into, into Monero. Um, the latest being, the biggest one being Bulletproofs, which is a huge leap for Monero. Um, I did, just in terms of dollars, you know, Bulletproofs is such a massive leap. Um, each transaction, a uh, Monero transaction before used to cost you a minimum of $2. After Bulletproofs was implemented, it actually outperformed than what we, we even expected it to, to do. Each transaction went down to below two cents. Actually, sorry, two tenths of a cent. You know, that, that's how good it was. We thought we'd... Everyone, the researchers said, okay, it's going to be 80% improvement, 90% improvement. But it turned out to be 99.98% improvement. I mean, it was amazing, or 998. So, yeah, so things like that keep happening. Before Bulletproof, so you know, each transaction size was so huge, and Bulletproof, you know, again, like I said, reduced it 
by 99.99%. Everybody used to say, Monero is unsustainable. Look at the how big the blockchain is. Look, it's so heavy. It's going to be in a year. You're going to need ten terabytes of uh, of hard drive space. But you know, you have to stop looking at the future based on the technology you have today. You have to understand that over the next tomorrow or or next year or the year after, there's going to be better minds than you. You know, who are going to invent. Uh, new schemes, new protocols, which are going to improve it, right? So with bulletproofs, the blockchain size drastically reduced in, in growth uh, and the rate of growth drastically reduced. Um, the Monero community came out with something called uh, pruning. So if you're running a node and you're carrying a big blockchain, you can run a script and you can reduce, you can prune off unnecessary information, unneeded information. So you can reduce the blockchain size. So there's all these all these developments going on. I mean, even as a mobile wallet, um, the synchronization speed it used to three years ago it used to take it used to sit there forever waiting for your wallet to sync. But with improvements now, it syncs in a few minutes. Um, so who knows? Maybe two years from now, it'll sync in seconds. The improvements keep coming, not only to performance but also to privacy. I'd like to just, um, if you could repeat again, what are the bulletproofs and what function do they serve? Bulletproofs is a type of range proofs, which is used to hide the transacted amount. Okay. Um, yeah, I wish I could go more in technical detail. <laughs> I can't. No, it's it's so, good. It, it's good for the level that yeah. we're we're trying to touch the tip of the iceberg and to get the best look at possible at it. We're not trying to go yeah. anything too deep. And people, because I know a lot of people from the enterprise side of things, from the even for the regulatory side of things, or <laughs> from the yeah. public sector type type of things, it sounds off or it sounds odd to think that there was some projection of what the costs would be and it actually turned out to be lower. Um, right. If you're not too technical, you have to keep in mind that these, um, these systems are incredibly dynamic. And this is why people take a look at such depth at them because they are ultimately unpredictable, right? So you cannot uh, mm -hmm. assess what's going to happen when you make a change until you've actually made it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And even after that, a few months ago, uh, there was another upgrade to Monero and um, size of each transaction and speed, everything improved by another 20%. And that was after the massive Bulletproof's uh, implementation. So yeah, um, I, I have full faith um, with Monero's doing and, and I think it's going to continue attracting uh, bright, bright people and um, in, 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 uh, contributing to the space. So in a perfect world where everyone is using this completely private, um, completely fungible money, what do you, yeah, how do you envision that to play out or what are the advantages in practical life that you think most people would miss? You know, and that's the big philosophical debate I think everybody can have on privacy coins how they relate to paying taxes or hiding illicit activities. 
but again, just like the way the technology improves and as a human race, we find solutions to these problems. I think there will be a solution to that as well. Um, and you can see that even with Bitcoin, right? Uh, 2013, 2014, oh, Silk Road, Bitcoin is the drug coin. Now you have Wall Street, you have Michael Saylor, you have Chase Bank, you have CNBC. Now CNBC has in their uh, little, you know what CNBC is, the, the uh, financial network. Yeah. Now you see Dow, NASDAQ, Bitcoin, you know, so, so times change. Um, there's chain analysis, there's regulation. So there has to be something like that that's going to come up for, for, uh, for privacy coins. Now with Monero, even though it's uh, all the time, like I said, privacy all the time, it, you can choose to reveal your transaction. So if there is ever a question, hey, did you do this transaction or show me what your transactions are? Um, you can, you can reveal, you can actually show on the blockchain Hey, this I, I, these are the transactions I did to these addresses, if need be. So it's um, it's um, what is a uh, opt out privacy. So you can you can opt out of privacy if you want, but the default is privacy. Right, and that is I guess what some people should understand that is the mind, uh, the main mindset behind this this privacy coin right it's not mm -hmm. that you are supposed to be private all the time is that privacy should be that default right and i, I want to it should be the deep yeah because if you have if you have uh, optional privacy then you're kind of weakening the whole pool you're weakening the whole pool number one and number two also i think about it in a simple sense hey carlos i see you have a hundred x coins here and you choose to, you chose to send 40 of them open ledger but 60 of them you chose to send privately why is that you know so that type of information can be revealed and which may uh, jeopardize everybody else in the pool okay uh, i wanted to because you, you touched on this before um, very briefly and i think that's an interesting debate that's pretty much on all the time with monero and that is the bitcoin debate People, some people in Monero might be very critical of Bitcoin itself for being too transparent. What would your what, what's your view on this? Obviously, you very recently inaugurated the Bitcoin wallet on your on Cake. So, mm -hmm. what's the reasoning behind that, and what's your thoughts on this debate? Well, Monero was very hard to get to own to buy. For example, in the U.S., there's only one exchange which offers Monero, which has a fiat on-ramp for Monero and that's Kraken. And we do link with third-party exchanges in, in Cake Wallet. And what our exchange partners tell us is most of the transactions they're seeing for uh, within Cake is Bitcoin to Monero. And we get a lot of support questions, uh, support tickets where people are like, well, where do I send Bitcoin from or how, you know? So right now, before we put in Bitcoin, you had to use an external wallet, uh, external, your own Bitcoin wallet from somewhere and it converted it to Monero. So 
Our primary reason was just to make it easy for our users. So they can have their Bitcoin and Monero in one, one place. Uh, and then they don't have to juggle two wallets. The goals that Monero is, is trying to achieve, the Monero people are trying to achieve, I guess they feel that uh, Bitcoin is the uh, antithesis to that, yeah. They, you know, Bitcoin is completely opposite of what Monero is trying to do or is, is doing, not trying even. Um, Monero number one being, uh, sorry, Bitcoin number one being an open ledger. Everyone can see everything, everyone can see what everyone is doing and what that person is doing and what that person is doing and so on. Um, and number two, uh, that leads to Bitcoin being non-fungible. Um, and like we said at the beginning of this uh, podcast, even Bitcoin maximalists have said, hey, don't send me anything in, in, unless you mix it. And little do they know that really doesn't help that much either. Um, and that itself makes it look shady. Um, Daniel Kim, who's a, who's a great speaker of um, in the Monero community, Dr. Daniel Kim, and he, he, he put it very nicely. He said, dealing in Bitcoin is like dealing in a, in a bar of gold. And on, you turn that bar of gold over and you can see everybody that's ever owned it and what they used it for and who they sent it to, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think that's a very good analogy. So that's why the, the Monero community is kind of turned off um, by Bitcoin. And, and I don't want to use names. I mean, for example, on a recent interview, you could, I'm not going to say who or what, um, a Bitcoin maximalist, he didn't even know what the word fungible was. And the Monero community just, yeah. jaws just dropped like, what? Like, you don't even know what that is. I mean, what are you really pushing? Um, a lot of the Monero community, since they don't talk of money, they, they feel a lot of the bit, people in the Bitcoin space are just there for the number go up. Right. You know, number goes up. Bitcoin number goes up. So, and so for all these things, I mean, and, and I do agree sometimes the Monero community, some of the members can be a little harsh, but I don't think that's uh, representative of the overall community. I think people are uh, quite welcoming and, uh, and ready to teach, ready to talk, ready to explain whatever whatever anybody wants to talk about when it comes to privacy in Monero. I personally have a very uh, mixed opinion on this because we've had a couple of people that are in regulation and that come from the regulation world in this podcast, right? Mm -hmm. And they are incredibly, incredibly pro-Bitcoin nowadays. <laughs> Back in the day, that what uh, I was telling you uh, off, uh, off the record that I used to be in ICO marketing. And they, uh, the regulation was, were never friendly uh, towards Bitcoin or towards anything. And all of right. a sudden now they've understood that this is a public ledger that everyone can check and that it's very easy to, well, easy if you have the right tools to analyze. And yeah, all of a sudden they're incredibly pro-Bitcoin. Um, that's a bit scary <laughs> uh, if you yeah. think about it because, okay, this could very well be the entry point for a totalitarian regime to run their their scheme and that's something that doesn't get talked at all in the bitcoin community which is a mm -hmm. bit weird since kind of their whole motto is stick it to the man and freedom power to people right. and whatever right i mean 
if you want to do something illegal and get it written somewhere for eternity, use Bitcoin. Right. And if you want to do something to illegal see. and maybe get caught, exactly. If you want to do something illegal and maybe get caught, use actual cash. You know, or, or forget even illegal. If you if you do anything, you buy an Amazon gift card off a bit refill, it's there. I mean, it's you know, sure it doesn't say Amazon, you know, refill whatever Amazon gift card on there, but it's there that you sent X amount of Bitcoin to Bit Refill to that address, which chain analysis companies and other companies are probably got that in their records and they're scanning those addresses all the time. Um, so it doesn't even have to be legal, but it, now it's, it's known. You, you bought a, you know, TGIF Friday's gift card uh, mm -hmm. that's known for eternity. And you might say, okay, I don't care. I don't care if people know that, you know, then why, then why do you, why do you put a letter in an envelope when you mail it? Why not just mail it, you know? Why do you, uh, when you send an email, why do you only send it to one person? Blast it out to everybody and hope that person that you send it to would get it. So, um, you know, privacy is, is something uh, you don't need it until you need it. Right. And, the... and, and, and Monero people always look at the extreme, you know, very extreme cases. Right. Let's say you're in a country where there's an oppressive regime and they're, and they're, um, really cracking down on, on the opposing party, um, the rebels or whatever you want to call them, right? Um, what happens then? You send them Bitcoin, right? I mean, and, and this happened recently. The news, big news came out after the, uh, in the United States that uh, a huge Bitcoin payment was made to a white supremacist group. Should have used Monero. I'm not supporting white mm. supremacy at all, but you know, if you, if you want to make payments uh, and keep it private, Bitcoin's the wrong way to go. And, and this is verbatim from this uh, last uh, MoneroCon. And uh, I'm just repeating what I heard in that video. And I thought it was very interesting, right? In the first world countries or in the developed nations, people have a sense that privacy is just something you do so you don't get targeted ads, right? <laughs> just so... You don't get targeted, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just so Amazon doesn't get to spy on your phone and send you ads for babies if you were just talking about babies or whatever. But not right. ads for babies, ads for diapers or whatever, <laughs> not for actual babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But you get to think about other nations like nations in Africa, South America, even in like darker yeah. parts of... Europe, that people, yeah. regimes can get out of control and they can crack down, as you say, on the opposite party members or on journalists or whatever. And yeah, the consequences it's a question of life and death. It's a question of life and death, definitely. Right. And it's better to have yeah. an alternative that closes out that option as much as possible, right? Yep, exactly. Exactly. Tell me a bit about this. I mean, um, mm -hmm. If you can tell me a bit about how you build Cake Wallet, because it's an interesting thing that you told me that you kind of built it in a vacuum and then you yeah. jump into the Monero community with a full built product. So how was this? How was the process like? Well, I'll tell you a story. And, and, and if Monero people are listening to this, I'm sorry, you've heard this story many, many times. Um, but maybe non-Monero people haven't heard this. Back in late 2016, uh, early 2017, 
and I'd been in Bitcoin for a while. I've been, been since 2013. I was mining it, playing around with it. Yeah, it was nice. It was fun. Numbers were going up, but I was like, I want to use it. I want to use it for something. But you know, where are you going to? Late 2016, early 2017, where are you going to use your Bitcoin? Not many places. So I thought, let me get on the dark web. Yeah, my sister, my, my wife. Sorry, my wife wanted antibiotics. Um, and I was like, I don't feel like going to the doctor. You know, in the U.S., you can't get antibiotics, uh, biotics, unless you go to a doctor and get a prescription. Unlike other countries, you, just, you know right. what you want. You walk into a pharmacy and get it. So I thought, let me let me get on the dark web, and let me buy some antibiotics. <laughs> I swear to God, it was just antibiotics. And I used my Coinbase account to pay in Bitcoin. And within 24 hours, Coinbase sends me an email. You have violated section blah, blah, blah of your terms of uh, service. And we're closing your account. Please move your assets. Really? And I was like, how the, yeah. And I, so I'm, I cannot be on Coinbase or Gemini, by the way. And, and I didn't understand it, to tell you the truth at that time, that how, just how open Bitcoin is and how trackable it is. And I thought, how the hell did they know that, that I sent um, Bitcoin to, to whatever address? And I thought, oh my God, this is insane. But at the same time, I was on the dark web. And I'll tell you the name of the dark, dark net market. It's called Alpha Bay. I don't know if you remember that one. It was pretty popular, I guess. They had another coin on there that they would accept. It wasn't Litecoin. It wasn't Dash. It wasn't Ethereum. It was something called Monero. And I thought, what the hell is this? Why Bitcoin, which is the biggest coin out there, and this little unheard of coin called Monero. So that intrigued me. So maybe maybe getting there and getting off of Coinbase, maybe it was all part of my journey. You know? And I started looking into Monero. I'm like, okay, what is this? How do you use it? And I started reading anything and watching any videos I could. Um, and I didn't get on the I didn't get on the subreddit for some reason. I don't know why. I mean I'd go on it here and there randomly, but it was more just going on the Get Monero website or, or looking at presentations, watching YouTube videos. Uh, there's a lot of information out there. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. This is excellent. And it's private. And the same thing that happened to me can't happen to somebody else. Um, and I thought, okay, but how do you use it? You have to go on, you have to download the GUI, you have to use the desktop, or they had the command line. And I think there was an Android wallet in the works, or maybe it was already live. But there was nothing for iOS. And I thought, okay, this is something I need to do. But we did it in a vacuum because we didn't want to fail. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we didn't want to announce it and then fail. And in 2017, where, where do you find blockchain engineers? Where do you find Bitcoin engineers? Where do you find developers that know these things? It's almost impossible. So I had a small team, which is already doing some random apps, fun stuff for me. And I was always doing fun projects, which I would forget about two months later and they would just die off. I'm like, oh, let's move on to the next thing. It's purely a hobby for me. And I spoke to him, uh, our main guy and I said, can we do this and let, let's do this? And he said, well, I have no idea if we can do this or not. And 
he went off, uh, him and another couple guys went off and studied this for about three, four months. And I paid for their education. <laughs> <laughs> and after three, four and after three, four months, they came back and said, yeah, let's do this. I think let's, let's, let's jump on this. And, um, again, we, we just built it purely in a vacuum. Uh, nobody even knew. I think the day we launched was the first, the day we announced and we went on the uh, Apple uh, app store was the first day, uh, our slash Monero heard about it. And, um, I remember the whole thing. It was like a bomb. They were like, what the hell is this? Who are you? And I didn't sleep. We launched on a Friday morning in January, 2018. And I didn't sleep until Sunday night. I was up from Friday morning to Sunday night answering questions. So initially we launched it as a, as a closed source uh, project. Why did we do, why did we not go open source? The, the truth is I didn't know. I didn't know what open source meant. I didn't know what closed source <laughs> meant. And the Monero community was very quick to educate me, to educate us on that, uh, what open source is. And they would not use the wallet unless we went open source. Um, but they were very helpful. They were very helpful in, in uh, educating us on different types of open source licenses, what have you, and, and guiding us through that whole process. And two weeks or two or three weeks after we launched, we, we went open source. We put all our code on uh, GitHub, um, built a repo there and uh, laid it all out there for everyone to see. Um, what's what's the experience of going open source actually software. like? Yeah. It's, it's, it's really nothing. It's uh, you, you, you choose one, you choose one of the light open source licenses that you feel um, you can handle and you can work with. Um, and uh, you put all your code on GitHub. That's pretty much it. So we, we chose the MIT license, which basically says you can use our code uh, and you give credit back to the, um, to the creator. That's it. Right. And I mean, so, in a nutshell, it's much longer than that, but that's pretty much exactly. Pretty much of course. So yeah, for, for the more, and I include myself here, for the more technically illiterate, if you go and take your wallet open source, and this is a thing that you develop privately, and you make it completely open source, you're almost cutting away your possible revenue stream, right? I mean, you are, and, and um, I don't know, a month ago I was on another podcast and somebody asked me the same question that why aren't other wallets going open source? You know, why are you not fearing that your code will get copied and someone will just make a knockoff? And it's happened. Somebody's made a, used a big chunk of our code to make some wallet, uh, not uh, one for Monero, and I think it's died out, but another one for another uh, type of coin, which is a fork of Monero. Uh, which is another crypto note coin. It's fine. I mean, you know, it, it makes you work harder. It makes you be one step ahead of the competition. Somebody right. copies your code, so what? You can, you know, um, you just have to be better. You just have to be one step ahead. You have to keep thinking. You have to keep innovating. You have to add new features. Um, in a way, I feel it's 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 a motivating factor. I mean, if you put out a closed source, you know, nobody can copy, nobody can do anything. So you just kind of maybe get lazy. Right. But anyway, back to Monero. Um, 
so so Monero, I mean, there, there's just so many things to like about it. You know, uh, as I said, it was it wasn't built on a, a trusted setup like some other coins were. Um, you know, for some other coins, they had to there had to be a starting point, a, a setup where then the system starts working, starts working, and you're trusting that setup. You're trusting the the people who set it up to that you know they didn't put a backdoor or some kind of code in there. Um, so, you know, Monero purely, uh, there's no trusted setup, um, no pre-mine, no dev tax, fully open source, um, community is wonderful. And what I like about it most is, is all the privacy, all the time, every platform, it, it doesn't matter. I, I'm curious. That's my, what... that's my spiel on Monero. Yeah. What would the... What are you currently excited about when it comes to wallets? Because at least uh, us people that are not thinking about wallets every minute of every day, for, for us, the concept is pretty simple, right? So you, you put money and it stays there. And if it <laughs> achieves those two functions, it's a good wallet. But what are you actually looking forward to being able to do with uh, with new integrations, with new features? Yeah, so I mean, the crypto space is is brand new and it's changing all the times, but I view the wallet as the thing, how should I say, the entry point of any user. Without a wallet, all this technology is meaningless, whatever you want to call it, a wallet or whatever. Uh, you know, with Monero, we talked about even for, for Bitcoin, you know, it's a command line stuff, you know, where only techies can use If a technology exists and the common man can't use it, it's pretty worthless. Right. right. So I view wallets as the thing, the, the thing that you need to be able to operate cryptocurrencies. Otherwise, otherwise just sitting there and nobody can use it. Um, That's the reason I went into this is, is number one, make Monero easy to use for everyone, but also to be at that, to be at that entry point for the user where they're actually interacting and transacting cryptocurrency. So I think wallets will, are playing and will play a huge part in this space. And back in 2017, uh, when I was first getting acquainted to some aspects of the crypto world, especially with the non-marketing parts, the more technical parts about blockchains and everything, I remember listening to, to this episode of the Team Ferris podcast, um, this episode they did with Nick Savo who, and who's, with... Sorry, whose who's podcast? Uh, Team Ferris. Okay. Um, the author of the four hour work week, that guy. Um, oh, okay, okay, that guy, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he did an episode with uh, Naval Ravikant from Angelist and Nick Sabo mm -hmm. from Bitcoin the first days. Uh, and uh -huh. they, they, they were explaining blockchain in a very friendly way. And I remember that that one helped me a lot. And all of a sudden, when you hear Bitcoin pumping and it's on everywhere and it's in all the news. A lot of people know you as that guy who does Bitcoin and they start asking questions, right? And that's the place that I redirect them to. I was listening to it again recently because why not? It's like good to get updated on information. 
And it surprised me how much of the problems that we had and that we knew that we had to solve in crypto in 2018 when that was recorded. It really stood out to me, not 2017, it stood out to me how prevalent those are. Like they were talking about these very same issues, how it's important to have good entry points for people, how it's important to have their experience using um, crypto be equally as good or even better than fiat currency or just the general banking system. Uh, why do you think has we haven't come as far as we could have in all these issues? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. And I, I think the simple answer is that it's a new technology. It's something we've only seen happen in the world 10 years ago and 10 years is nothing. So, I, and, and, and that's a very good question. And But purely I feel is just because it's a new technology, it's going to take time to develop. It's going to take time to improve. It's going to take time for new tools to come up like Cake Wallet. Um, And, and there's still some challenges with cryptocurrency and, and, and some of those are the nature of cryptocurrency. For example, I'll give you one we face all the time is scanning the blockchain. That's a integral part. It's the nature of blockchain. You have this public ledger that needs to be scanned to find your transactions. And that, that takes time sometimes. And that frustrates people because Right now they can open up Venmo, they can open up PayPal and they see their balance immediately and they can send that immediately. Where if you're using a non-custodial wallet, yeah, it's going to take a little bit of time to sync to the blockchain and, and get that information. So those challenges are, are there right now, which may turn off the everyday user from using cryptocurrency. Um, but what does it mean? It means the the technology, the code has to improve. And just in three, four years in Monero, for example, it's improved uh, almost a hundred percent, maybe a thousand percent. So what's going what's in store for the next three years? I think these things are going to keep improving. And we were talking about how decentralized or distributed the Monero communities, how everything is open source, how there's people all over the world continuously working on all this. Uh, what do you credit the most to in having development be this good and this fast? What, what do you think makes it special? I'm sorry, say that again, you got cut off. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, because we think about how everything is open source and decentralized and distributed and having you constantly mention how the community is making these big leaps you know, of advancement. Mm -hmm. So what do you credit for them to be able to do this? What do you think they're doing right that other communities could copy? Mm, I see. Uh, since it's truly open source, anyone is allowed to contribute thoughts or ideas or, or code to the community and everything is looked at without prejudice. Um, and why is that? Why is that in Monero and maybe not in other communities? Because Monero welcomes attacks on Monero. Uh, you know, Justin Ehrenhofer, 
ran a show on YouTube for a long time called Breaking Monero. It was about finding faults of Monero, finding how you can crack, how you can hack, how you can extract information from the blockchain. What are the weak points of Monero? So I think the Monero community welcomes skepticism. They welcome questions about Monero. Whereas other communities I've seen, um, and I personally have been on you know, Telegram or their subreddit or, or whatever, and I, um, I question something or I point out some major flaw in their, in their technology and their protocol, and you get banned from that uh, community for asking those questions, where Monero is totally the opposite. If you ask questions like that, you're welcome even more. Like, okay, what is this? Where, what's this vulnerability? How can we fix it? What's causing it? Um, and people independently or in groups uh, start working on those issues or they put up a funding request for uh, studying that vulnerability um, or they've studied it and now they want to build a patch or a fix or an improvement. So the Monero community welcomes all that. And I think since it welcomes, it's like a snowball effect. Since it ha that mindset and that culture is there, that attracts other people with the same mindset and same culture, um, and, uh, unlike other coins. So, so to answer your question, why does Monero? Why does that happen in Monero and it doesn't happen in other places? It happens in Monero because it happens in Monero, and that just attracts more people to to follow that philosophy and that culture. Right. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time talking about other projects and other coins. Uh, this, is yeah, not the, the, this is not the goal exactly. of this episode, but I have to ask right. you, um, what, do you, what do you think of other privacy coins, of other privacy projects in this space? And for everyone listening here, we're not going to be using far examples for this one. <laughs> You're safe. Yeah, I mean... You have to question, um, you know, I just gave you the example of breaking Monero in which the Monero community basically tells you, hey, this is where Monero is weak. This is where Monero can break. This is where maybe you can extract information. Whereas I feel the other communities hide that fact, hide the vulnerabilities. Um, and maybe they're lying to their users. I hate to use such wrong a strong word, but that, that is a fact. And again, we're not going to use any names of other coins, but one coin always advertised itself as a privacy coin and continued to do so in, in bashing Monero. And once now they got kicked off uh, some exchange, immediately they say, oh, we're not a privacy coin. We have the same privacy as, as Bitcoin. You know, So were you lying then or were you lying now? Um, so you have to question, I mean, even with Monero, you should question, uh, and you should, you should study it and try to understand it. But at least personally for me, I've seen in the Monero world, they're the first to come out and say, Hey, this is a flaw of Monero. Be careful. You know, don't do this or, you know, improve your OPSEC on this, on this facet of Monero, if you're going to use it this way. Whereas other coins have admitted. Okay, and if you 
think about this panorama of privacy coins, there are, of course, not that many ones. You can pretty much count them or at least count the important ones with the fingers of one hand, right? Um, yeah. Do you think there are any positives that are some other people are building that are either looking at things in a good way or that could be even implemented for Monero? Yeah, I mean, I think there's always... Um, I, I, I don't know what's being developed out there, uh, but I mean, of course, I mean, you can't rule anything out, any, any, any new technology or system or protocol that comes up, um, but somebody could be using, yes, you know, why not? Uh, it could be good. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head where, you know, somebody's doing something and I, and we're thinking, hey, we should do that in Monero. Uh, nothing comes off the top of my head. Okay, yeah, that's that's completely fair. And decentralization, of course, it's a big value for Monero, right? And it's a big, mm -hmm. a big value for this community. And as much mm -hmm. as there are clashes between the Bitcoin community and the Monero community, I think that is something where everyone also tends to agree, right? Even when right. you have clashes between the Bitcoin and the Ethereum community as well, which is yeah. uh, something that also tends to happen. Do you think there is any risk for these decentralized projects to, yeah, that they're facing that other more centralized options are not facing? Or is decentralization always working in favor of Monero in this case? You know, there's, there's positive and negatives to both. I mean, the big negative of a decentralized project like Monero is, okay, you don't like what they're doing. You can fork it off and create Carlos Monero. You know, you can, do, so, you know, you do have that risk. Um, but overall, I think that, that the advantages you have for an open source project uh, as compared to some closed, I can't even think of a closed project. Um, out, the benefits outweigh anything you can get from a closed source. Maybe a closed source project, you would have uh, VC funding, or you know, faster development, um, you know, more unanimity. But other than that, I think in the long run, the open source projects will win out. You can, well, this is something that I know the community is really interested in in highlighting what is open source and what is decentralized and what isn't and in that note what brings you to integrate the first decentralized project bitcoin into your wallet what's the thought line in there uh, i'm sorry what's the way yeah well, why are you why are you building bitcoin into cake now uh, yeah, why wasn't this done before and why now and what, yeah, what's the thinking there? Well, Monero was done first because, again, there was no Monero wallet and um, we wanted to make it easier for everyone to use Monero. Um, Bitcoin, I mean, we did it for various reasons. I think we touched on this earlier. Number one, Bitcoin is Bitcoin. It's, it's the number one most popular Bitcoin currency, uh, cryptocurrency. So, it's, you know, I think we had to do it. But I think a bigger reason for us was conversion to 
to Monero. Um, as I talked earlier, Monero is very difficult to get to get in the U.S. I don't know about other countries. Only one exchange in the U.S. carries it. So, so we wanted you know people to have a, a an on ramp at least from Bitcoin to get to Monero, and to make it easy for the user to have their Bitcoin and Monero in the same space. Um, and third reason is if people do download Cake Wallet just for Bitcoin, when they go to create wallets, they'll see another thing called Monero and hopefully they'll say, hey, what is this? Why does this wallet only have two coins? Um, and hopefully they'll study it and hopefully that, uh, that'll lead them into uh, adopting Monero. Speaking about studying, and well, so, so we can start closing off this episode. What do you, what would you recommend to those that want to start embracing this Monero philosophy and learning more about Monero itself, or maybe even even start using it? Sure, sure. Um, before I answer that, I'd like to touch on one more thing about Monero, if I could. Yeah, go ahead for sure. Um, and this is this is a huge thing. Um, we, we keep talking about de uh, decentralization and centralization. One other problem with Bitcoin, which the Monero community sees, and I, th I think we've tackled that, is the centralization of mining. Yeah. Even back in 2013, 2014, when I started mining Bitcoin, you couldn't just use your everyday computer. I had to get an ASIC computer Um, which I paid thousands and thousands of dollars for on, on eBay. So what's happening with Bitcoin is this mining is just becoming centralized. You can't be a small miner. You can't just um, turn on your computer and start mining and, and do something meaningful. To, to be a Bitcoiner nowadays and do something meaningful, you have to be spending millions of dollars, build huge mining farms um and what does that ha what happens if, if the mining ends up being in the hands of the wealthy of people who can afford it and the number gets reduced so mining slowly in bitcoin is becoming centralized so what did monero do monero would in, in, the, in the in the previous years then i'll get to the new thing that it every six months, they would change the mining algorithm. And since they changed the mining algorithm, those ASICs became useless. So the ASICs would then take that algorithm, come out with new ASICs, reprogram their chips, and put out new ASICs, and the game would begin again. The mining would go up because all these ASICs were on the network. And again, six months later, the Monero community would change the algorithm. So this happened, it went on for many years. Then finally, about two years ago, uh, the Monero com community came up with something called Random X. Random X is a, a uh, mining algorithm, which basically makes ASIC mining useless. So why is that important? That's important because Anybody with a simple computer, with a CPU, you don't even need a GPU, with a simple CPU, simple computer you can buy off the shelf at Best Buy or Amazon, whatever, you, and you can start mining. You can be part of the Monero network. You can become a miner immediately. So what does that mean? That means 
more people, the mining will be spread out in millions and millions of these small, 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 small computers, rather than Bitcoin being just managed by a few big players that have the money to build massive mining farms. So that's, not many people talk about that, not many people acknowledge that, but that's a huge, huge thing that Monero has accomplished. They've put mining back into the hands of the people rather than the large corporations building these big mining farms. I don't, I don't know would, if you're aware, aware of that. Would you say for the, I, I was aware of that, uh, but mm -hmm. of course there are so many points that we can touch on here, right? But. Uh, I was aware of that and I wanted to ask you, this was on my questions from the beginning. How profitable do you think it is for the average person to be mining Monero? Right now, it's not. It's not profitable. I mean, I think anybody who's doing it is doing it to be, to support Monero and, and do it. But, you know, difficulty levels, uh, all these things are, are not static. They keep changing. I mean, Bitcoin is impossible to mine right now. It's right. very difficult unless you're unless you're putting in a massive farm and have, and even then you put in that massive massive processing power in the mining network, and within six months the difficulty uh, level is going to change, and then you're going to be back to square one. Right, or you could catch a negative trend in the market line and then you're absolutely wrecked on all the money you spend building your farming facility, which is exactly. always, a, always an option. Uh, are, are there yeah. any other points such as mining that you'd like to highlight on for those that are just learning about Monero in here? So to go back to your question about the profitability, if you're running a simple, I don't know, I don't know, Dell computer, I don't know, whatever, Mac or whatever kind of little desktop computer you're running. Is profitability such a big question? That type of simple CPU computer is using such little electricity, it's meaningless. But you are supporting the network. You are keeping the mining decentralized by being a miner. So maybe the the... For, for small players, individual to democratize mining, the profit motive is almost gone. If you're with me. Yeah. You're frozen, so I don't know if you're... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, do you understand what I'm saying? So right. maybe if you're running a simple computer on your, on your desktop, does the profit really matter? I mean, how much are you going to make off a simple CPU anyway? But, but you it's, it's not like you're going for the millions, right? Exactly, exactly. So, you, but you're going to help the mining network stay decentralized, and that that is a huge thing on itself, especially when you come across right. with a community like this that it's uh, sort of opposed to the more libertarian Bitcoin community that it's not so much in it for making gains and everything, but for building a future, almost an anarchist vision of the future or of mm -hmm. what money should become in the digital age. Right. If you want, if you have any other pointers that you'd like to give people to learn about, or if there's anything else that you think they really should know when they're looking at Monero for the first time, uh, it'd be great for you to share those as well. 
Yeah, I mean, when you look at Monero for the first time, you're gonna see that it has no cap. Um, like Bitcoin has the 21 million cap. And you'll think, okay, then this is worthless because there's just gonna be new Monero generated. Um, so the first thing is the Monero community put this tail emission as they call it. So after 18 million are mined, uh, there's gonna be a small amount, fixed amount every year that's going to be generated. There's a lot of reasons the Monero community did this, but, but one of the main reasons is to keep mining, you know, to incentivize mining. With, with Bitcoin, after 20 years, 30 years, or, or even 100 years after all the Bitcoin is mined, why would you continue mining? There's no, re I mean, there's no block reward. Why would you continue mining? So that means you would mine for the fees. Then the fees theoretically could go through the roof if your only incentive is, is, is the network fee. Um, so the Monero people came out with this thing called tail emission, which, you know, after all the, bit, all the Monero is mined, there's gonna be continuously forever uh, Monero that's mined. But it's not a percentage, it's a fixed amount. So every year, the amount of Monero that's mined is actually gonna be a smaller percent of the total float of the total Monero that's out there. Um, so that, that, that's, a, that's a big key point. Um, and you'll see that on Twitter, Reddit, um, people bring that up like, oh, it's, it's worthless because it's gonna, there's gonna be an infinite amount. Well, it's gonna be, it, it really comes out to an inflation of about 2% a year. And that number goes down. I mean, gold right now is 2%. We find about 2% gold every year. But right. nobody's saying gold is... We know it's we know it's finite somehow, right? But it doesn't uh, it doesn't quite seem to be right now. And you always yeah. you always wonder if they're not hiding some of the gold that they found just to maintain the price. Right, exactly. And I think in uh, the Bitcoin Standard in the book, uh, it talks about what ninety percent of the gold that's out there was only mined in the last seventy years. Yeah, so. So who knows what's in the next 70 years? And with Elon Musk wanting to mine asteroids. Right. <laughs> you know, that could make it worthless. That, that, so, that can I mean, really the, make it worthless. Yeah, I mean, the, the, steady, the steady inflation in Monero is um, number one, to incentivize the miners, and number two is to secure the network. And Monero people ask, what will happen in, in Bitcoin if people lose interest in mining? Um, what does that mean? How, how are the blocks going to get processed? So, you know, in Bitcoin, people say, oh, it doesn't matter. That's 100 years away. We'll see when that happens. Right. But Monero is trying to tackle that problem right now. I, I guess also Bitcoin people and in general, the Bitcoin line of thinking is that all these things should be fixed by layer two solutions right by people right. building onto new things upon it and um, do you what what do you see would be the layer two additions into monero as this could happen with bitcoin i mean there's nothing in the works that i know of um but i think the monero people would view that as a vulnerability um, 
you know, with the Lightning Network of, of Bitcoin, a lot of a lot of Bitcoin people say, well, the Lightning Network provides uh, privacy, but you know, you're able to see that um, on ramp and off ramp of Bitcoin into the Lightning Network. But anyway, going back to uh, uh, Monero, I, I don't think there's anything in the works uh, that I've heard of, um, and I don't see a need for it. Um, Right now, the fees are low. The transactions happen pretty fast. I, I, I don't see a need for it right now. And we've almost been talking uh, about Monero and Bitcoin, both as communities and as, let's call them mindset or philosophies, as two opposing things, right? Like a yin and a yang that somehow balance each other. Uh, mm -hmm. What are your, and we don't need to spend too much time on this, what are your thoughts on the other options on the market? Do you feel like Ethereum and decentralized finance is building something positive to achieve these, uh, the ideals that are supported by the Monero community? Um, I think... I mean, I think what Ethereum is doing and DeFi and all that, I, I definitely think it's the future of, of banking and finance. Um, it's in its infancy, you know, the gas fees are high, but you know, the Ethereum 2 is supposed to come out and, and other blockchains, which supposedly are better than Ethereum and people are trying to build uh, smart contracts and, uh, and DeFi platforms on those blockchains. So I think it's definitely, um, I think it's definitely the future. With Monero, I think somehow, some way, something will happen in the future where Monero and DeFi will meet and there'll be an intersection. And the reason I think that think that is because of atomic swaps that are coming out for Monero. Uh, there's been a group that's been working on uh, atomic swaps um, between Bitcoin and, and Monero. So I think if if that is achievable, there, I think there will be a way then to go to the next step where you're able to do an atomic swap with a DeFi coin or maybe a wrapped Monero or something like that, um, where you're able to put your Monero to work in, in a DeFi environment. Um, is it happening today? No. Um, could it happen in the future? Yeah, I could see the steps going in that direction. I mean, yeah, like if you talked about all the DeFi things that we're witnessing day by day with someone in 2017, that would seem completely out of out of reach. But all of a sudden, once someone hits jackpot with these uh, innovative ideas, you see how people start building and building upon them and it starts raining. Um, right. It's been really great to have you here with opened a lot of great points here. What would you, bringing back that question, what would you recommend to those wanting to learn more about Monero and about oh. this philosophy and how can they contribute even if they want to? Uh, sure, I mean, I would say start with the official website for Monero, which is getmonero.org. Um, I would say start there, uh, come to the uh, subreddit. There are Monero IRC channels and the discussions there are open. Uh, there's core team and development discussions going on all the time. Too technical for me, to be honest with you. Um, 
but yeah, I would say start there. Start with uh, getmirror.org, start with Reddit, start with YouTube. Um, and if you really want to get into it, then get on the IRC, Internet Relay Chat. And all those channels, um, I believe, are listed on getmonero.org. And if not, you can always ask on Reddit. I would actually also advise people that want to get into Monero and learn something about it. And this is something that I mm -hmm. had to do myself <laughs> in preparation for this interview to yeah. try to try and make a Monero transaction, open a cake account, use it, yeah. see, see how it looks. I don't like. want I don't want to plug cake wallet again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's uh, <laughs> it looks weird if you don't. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you want a true blockchain experience, then yeah, download Cake Wallet uh, and then play around with it and try to send yourself Monero for sure. And, and try and use it because once you understand the difference of how it feels like as a user to use Cake Wallet or whatever Monero, whatever way you want to use to send yourself some Monero or send someone some yeah. Monero and you compare it to the Bitcoin experience, you can see if it is for you, maybe it doesn't feel right. Maybe it feels right. Maybe you get behind the philosophy. Maybe you get behind the mindset and it's uh, something that you want to keep contributing to. So big, exactly. any, any parting thoughts? No, that's about it. I mean, um, as, um, as Fluffy Pony said a long time ago, don't buy and hold Monero, actually use it, you know, use it for transactions and you'll see that it's much superior than Bitcoin. Right. And I think that is the perfect way to conclude this. If you are thinking about Monero, think about it as cash, think about it as something that you use, not just about something that you hold as an investment. Big, it's been great to have you. It's thank you very Thanks much for everyone. For Thanks for it to everyone that's still watching. Thanks to your dog for, <laughs> for being a part of this interview as well. Um, yeah, I gotta go find him. Yeah. For everyone that's still listening, uh, here at Decor, as you know, we're a decentralized team of crypto researchers. We do our research on ICO projects and IEO projects on already established projects. So if you'd like to also contribute to that, make sure to visit our website, d slash core.net. You can join us as a researcher or you can see all of our output, everything that we've come up with to try and analyze the players in the market. So join us, as we said here with Big, learn more about Monero, continue down this path. And thank you very much for listening. And again, thank you, Big. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. The same here. And if here we can talk. If anyone has any questions, yeah, they can reach me on um, Twitter or uh, Telegram or uh, Reddit. Okay, perfect. Would you like to just quickly drop us your Twitter handle? Uh, sure. My Twitter handle is kind of complicated. I guess the easiest would be just go to uh, Cake Wallet. At Cake, Cake Wallet. Wallet. Perfect. Yeah. And, and they do reply yeah. even on Reddit. User Cake Wallet, <laughs> big reply to you me in Cake the Wallet, of... and yeah, I'm always on it. And Telegram is also Cake Wallet. Okay, perfect. So thanks everyone. Thanks, okay. big. All right, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Take care.